0: I want to start a series today. I want to talk to you about generosity, generosity. There was a family that when they were leaving church one weekend after the weekend service and the mom and dad, they began to complain about the service. It was bad. It was a bad. The music was bad, which that doesn't happen here. It was bad music. The sermon was dry. God, I hope not. The room was too cold. That's a complaint we get every now and then. The sound was too loud. And the parents were going on and on and on. There was a little kid sitting in the back of the back seat and he finally spoke up. And he said, well, I thought it was a pretty good show for a dollar. <laughs> Generosity. <laughs> John Bevere, and, uh, a very powerful Christian author, in one of his sayings, he said, the most important doctrines of Scripture are the, one that, are the ones the devil tries to pervert the most. And that is so true. The devil always tries to bring a lot. Uh, The Bible has 500 verses on faith, over 500 verses on prayer, and over 2,300 verses on our money and our possessions. Almost five times as many verses about our money and our possessions as it does on faith and prayer. I wonder why. Because God knew our hearts. God knows that where your treasure is, there is your heart also. And so in the book by James Patterson and Peter Kim, Kim co-authors, it, the book was entitled uh, The Day America Told the Truth. They had a way of surveying Americans that really helped them to be able to tell the truth. And the question was asked, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? And, of course, some people answered, in a responsible way, and great ways, positive ways. But here's what the way some people responded to the question, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? 25% of them responded they'd be willing to abandon their entire family. 23% said that they w- would be willing to become a prostitute for a week or more. <laughs> 16% said that they would give up their American citizenship for two, $10 million. 16% said that they would be willing to leave their spouse for that $10 million. 10% said that they would withhold giving testimony in order to let a murderer go free if they could be paid $10 million. 7% even admitted, I'd be willing to kill a stranger, be a hit person, you know, for $10 bucks. 3% said that I, they would be willing to put their children up for adoption. Now, I realize some of you here today may be willing to do that for free, (laughs) but you need prayer, and we will have an altar call. I know that's not the Hollies. (laughs) (laughs) What does this tell us? It's a sad commentary that the spirit of selfishness is very much alive and well in America. It tells us there's something inside of folks that would make them give up values such as family and even convictions uh, that's divisive and even threatening to the values that they believe really basically in their core as a Christian and as a believer in the Lord. What's the solution to that? Well, truth is, to know the truth. And the scripture said, Jesus said it in John, that if the truth, if you know the truth, it will set you free. And God's word will set us free from attitudes such as that. Many people think that generosity, many Christians, let's put it that way, let's talk about us. Many Christians believe that generosity is optional, take it or leave it. And they, they cite their, their uh, reasons for that, that 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 they're good do they're, they have good deeds in many areas of their life. Well, I don't give or I don't I don't go help people, but I've got. I've, I, they point out a lot of good deeds in their areas of their life, and they feel like their goodness tank is full of goodness. And to them, Christianity is just a matter of just being nice. But I want to tell you, Christianity is a whole lot more than just trying to be nice to people. And the Bible speaks to this idea about generosity. Second Corinthians eight seven says, "But just as you excel in everything and any." Get specific in your faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us. And here's the kicker. He said, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. It's good that you excel in everything. Your faith, your speech, your knowledge, you know, your power, your earnestness, your love. But see to it that you excel in this grace of giving, generosity, prayer, good deeds, voluntary acts of service and kindness they don't take the place of generosity paul says do all of that but yet add to your life being generous we simply cannot leave this out because generosity it is the heartbeat of god for god so loved the world that he he's a giving god an unknown person made this quote you can give and not love but it is impossible to love and not give Christians number one point I want to make today is all Christians are generous, and when you see that Christ it's capitalized a part of the Christian, sometimes we forget that the word Christian literally means christ like that was the name that Christians began being called in Antioch they were called the way, people of the way, or believers, or disciples of Jesus Christ. But then they got tagged with the name. It was really meant to be sarcastic towards them, but yet it's become a badge of honor for us. And it means Christ-like, like Christ. Christ was so generous in His generosity and His nature that He gave up the perfection of heaven to come to earth. That still amazes me that He would be willing to do that. He wasn't forced to do it. The father, you know, that was their plan. He was so generous that he gave up every drop of his blood in order to pay for our sins. And in doing that, he makes us his children of a generous God. We think about the beauty of creation that God gave us, and thank God there's still many, many beautiful places on planet Earth that we love to go and see, and we're fascinated, and we're awed, and we're amazed at the beauty of creation. But thank God the day's coming that it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and everything that's polluted, tainted, corrupted, and, and everything that uh, man's tore up, it's going to be back, put back to pristine uh, 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 experience and, and uh, beauty. Think of the expense that the Lord paid in order to redeem you. He gave us all. He shed all of His blood. God, uh, God and His Son were separated for a while. And we kind of fail to think through that. But we think about Jesus praying in the garden Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Yes, there was physical. Uh, hardship and torment and pain that Jesus experienced. But I'm convinced the worst part of what Jesus was experiencing, the pain was bad, the physical pain of being beaten within an inch of his life and then being crucified, spikes run through his hands and feet and spears and, and ripped open. But to me, the worst part, and I believe the worst part, was Jesus knew he would be separated from the Father's presence for that season. He'd never known what separation from fellowship with God was for. In that moment that Christ took your sins, my sins, into his being, God is of purer eyes than he can even behold or look at iniquity, Habakkuk tells us. And that's why Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm the one that served you, that's been faithful to you. But it was God's plan. God could not look upon that sin and had to turn away. That separation... To me, I think was the worst part that Jesus knew that he would face. We are so created in God's image that we too are designed to be generous. Now, our human nature fights that many times. But if you're like Christ, you're going to be generous. If you truly have the Spirit of God in you and the Spirit of Christ in you, you will be generous. You may have to deal with your flesh and attitudes at times. And the Bible makes this so very plain, and knowing of that truth that the Scriptures say is what will set us free. So here's some Scriptures that I want to share with you. Psalms 37, 21, it says very plainly, the godly are generous givers. And we're not only talking about money today. We're talking about your time. We're talking about your talents, your abilities, the gifts that God gives you. It is money, but it's more than money. It's all of that. It's our time, our talent, and our treasure that God says that when you're my child, when, you're, when you have the character of my heavenly father and my son, you will be generous because the godly are generous givers, givers of time, givers of their gifts to others, even giver, givers of their treasures. Proverbs 22, 26 says this, the godly love to give. I think that's why we do so well at missions here at World Outreach Worship Center. You're godly, you love God, you love people, you love to see people, and you love to finance and sponsor uh, things that are, are ministering to other people, bringing them. You're godly, so you love to give. It's more than a need to, it becomes a want to. You know... We don't try to, and just like I said today, you pray, you ask God. I don't try to pressure you. I don't try to recommend or suggest. I just say, here's a budget we're shooting for. If we make it, praise God. If we don't, praise God. Whatever comes in, we praise God. But the godly love to give, it's more than a need to. It's, Lord, I want to do something for your kingdom. Lord, I want to participate. I want to contribute not just money, but time and talent and treasure. You know, we stay in constant contact with some of these missionaries that have a way to do it through WhatsApp or or whatever. And we're constantly praying for them. Cruz, I better be careful when I say this. But Cruz said, we look at you and Sylvia, and we look at wow, not just us too. But they said, we look at wow as those that help us and are over us in the Lord. They turned to us for prayer requests. I'm sure they turned to others too. But they said, we turn to you for prayer requests. They came to us and they said, you know, we're in a fix. We're, in a, You know, that's a southern term for a mess. I uh, said, we're in a mess. We don't know whether to live in Venezuela. We don't know what to do. We're being we're being encouraged to live in the United States and travel to Venezuela and do ministry there. But we we feel out of touch with the people if we do that. And so we talked about that over lunch after the service we were with them. We we shared with them what we felt was godly wisdom and, and just prayed for them. Said, so, you know, you're the ones that have to make the final decision. And I said, but we're praying for you. Well, just got a, a WhatsApp from them last night. He said, it is so bad in Venezuela. They're telling people, don't even come home right now. It's too dangerous. They said, we feel like we're going to make a decision as we talk to you that we're probably going to, uh, for the time being at least, we're going to settle in Columbia. But they trusted us, and they, looked at, they look at wow as a mentor to them. They look at wow as a spiritual answer and parent to them. You know, I guess I'm old enough to be a lot of people, not only parent, but grandparent, You know, granddad. So a lot of kids look at me and think, that it, that's yeah, that's grandpa over there. Anyway, the godly love to give. The closer we get to God, because of His character, the more you and I will want to give. Not just money. Please, please don't think pastors pastor is talking to you just about finances and money today. The closer you and I get to God, the more we'll give love. The more we'll forgive. The more we'll be generous with our time and spend time with people. The more we'll listen to people. The more that we will want to give. Everything you and I have is God's. He's the creator. We're just the stewards, the managers of it. He bestows it, gives it to us. You say, well, I work for this. It's because God gave you health. It's because God gave you direction. God gave you vision. God gave you purpose. God gave you strength. God gave you energy in your being to do that. Everything, belong, everything that we have belongs to God. And it's only what you and I give away that will have an eternal significance. Only what you give away. We're not going to be rewarded by how much was in our 401k when, uh, when we die. God didn't give rewards for that. Wow, the angels don't jump in down. They had over a million dollars in their 501k. God, that's not rejoiced or celebrated in heaven. It's what you gave. It's what you shared with others that heaven will rejoice over and you'll be rewarded accordingly. What does the Lord want you to do with your stuff? Remember, first, it's not your stuff. It all belongs to him. It's what the Lord has allowed you to have. The story is told that one day there was a beggar by the roadside begging for alms from an Alexander the Great, and his army was passing by. The man was, of course, poor, and he really had no claim or right to speak to the ruler but and even to lift up a, solici- a hand of solicitation, but he did. And the emperor... Uh, Alexander reached into his, his bag and he pulled out several gold coins and pitched them and gave them to the beggar. Alexander's courtier, he was astonished at the generosity of Alexander and he said, Sir, he said, copper coins would have adequately met this beggar's need. Why did you give him gold? Alexander responded, copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but coins suit Alexander's giving. Giving is not so much about the need that you're giving to, but it's about the nature of you and I as being the giver. Are we generous? Are we generous? Because you and I are spiritual descendants of Jesus Christ, we should be and probably will be a generous giver because selfishness does not agree with our DNA because God's character lives in us. Generosity ties us to the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, blessing is a byproduct of generosity. You've heard me say it. We don't give to get. I don't give saying, okay, God, you owe me, or God, I expect you to bless me. I don't give expecting a blessing. But yet I have learned through the years of being obedient to the Lord, as, as we spoke about Abraham and the offering. As you're obedient to the Lord, as you can I, can I, just, can I just give you some word this morning? Yeah. I've talked to people about tithing before, and they end the conversation. Well, I'll pray about that. I'll tell you something. There's some things in the Bible that talks about forgiveness, loving, being obedient some things in the Bible talk about giving and tithing. You don't have to pray about it. The response is obedience. The response is obedience. God blesses obedience. God blesses obedience even more than sacrifice. You don't have to pray about some things. You just need to obey what it says for you to do. So, you know, when you... And when, so it's a byproduct of generosity. I don't try to make a deal with God. I might have thought that way when I was a younger Christian, but just simply obedience to the Lord. And uh, there have been times that, that Sylvia and I have given away the last that we had, and we've given away a car, at least one, possibly two, and, and it's amazing how the Lord has blessed. Now, I didn't do it to be blessed. I didn't do it trying to make a deal with God, but it's amazing. It is amazing. It amazes me. Not not that God can't, but it just amazes me. I said, Lord, this this thing works. When I'm generous and I give with the right attitude and spirit, you take care of us. You just take care of us. So blessing is a byproduct of generosity. Proverbs 11 says this. One person, says one man, but one person gives freely, yet gains even more. When you give freely, it says you can gain even more. Now, that's not the motive, But that's the result. That's the byproduct. So one person gives freely yet gains even more. But listen to this. But another withholds unduly or unfairly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You know, you can give your way out of debt. Now, in the mind and on paper, that doesn't make sense. But in God's supernatural kingdom, you can give your way out of debt by giving to God. Now, not not given to, not given to whatever comes online, or given to whatever comes on the TV, or whatever you know, and buying that product. That's not gonna. That's not, that's gonna get you in more debt. But giving to God in His kingdom, you can never be too generous for the kingdom of God. I need to say that again because that just went over like water on the duck's back. You can never be too generous to give to the kingdom of God. A generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Sometimes I need to give. uh, You can't buy a blessing, and I have said this to the Lord. I've sat in a pew or a seat and said, Lord, I know you can't buy a blessing, but my God, I need one. Lord, I need you to pick me up out of this pit I'm in. I need you to pick me up out of this mess I'm in. I need you to pick me up out of the mully grubs I'm in. Anybody ever get in the mully grubs? Lord, I need you to pick me out, and I know I can't buy a blessing, but Lord, I'm going to give. And when I open my heart and my spirit and give, God has never failed to take and touch and help me out of what I was going through. Wow, he's never failed. It is impossible to create an empty hole. When you take something out, nature will not allow it to remain empty. Air fills it. If there's nothing there, the air is going to rush in. When you give something away out of your life, you may create a hole or a vacuum, and it will be filled. Generosity. When you're generous, and you take, and you empty out, and you create a vacuum, then God comes in and flows in to that vacuum that you've created. And that enables us to go on giving and giving more and more and more. We are blessed, like Dr. Lee said. You and I, God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. Yes, God wants you to be a blessing to your family. God wants you to take care of your family. But a lot of things, especially us as Americans, we overdo it. Five of you may believe that. We overdo it. How many shirts can you put in your closet? How many pairs of slacks? Or shoes do you really need or can wear? Now, you're laughing because that's you. Or either that's your spouse. I used to have one pair of black shoes, one pair of brown shoes. But then, you know, you make a little more and you, you say, well, you know, I like that style and, and and now I've got two of each and and now I've got two pairs of cowboy boots you can only wear one at a time. Actually, I got three. Found one at the thrift store that they're insulated for winter. I said, I need those. <laughs> That's the problem. I need. I need. See, I can talk about this now because we've had a radical house cleaning, cleaned my office and Cleaning, cleaning up things and getting rid of stuff. And, and uh, it's like Sylvia rents clothes. She doesn't own clothes, recycles stuff. And, and now she's working on mine. I'm going, oh, God, I'm not going to have anything to wear. <laughs> can, can I just be transparent? All this finding great finds at thrift stores that these shirts are 25 and $30 plus dollars a shirt. I'm serious. And at the thrift store, they've already been to the laundry, but I don't trust that. I'll send them again. But I find these shirts that are $25, $35 and more at the thrift store for $3. Well, I was encouraged. I won't tell you by who, but I was encouraged. (laughs) It looks good. It fits. Get it. You never know. If hard times come, you won't have to wash so much. You'll just wear and go through. Well, I I had 60, no, 40 shirts up in a closet upstairs I never wore. And one day the boss came and said, you're taking up my closet, my space. With those shirts you don't wear, they're going. Go pick out the ones you want. So I went, I picked out a few, and 40 shirts went to be recycled at the thrift store. I'm saying, how many shirts? I couldn't even wear. I I told her, don't buy me any more clothes. I can't even wear. I can't live long enough to wear everything I've got. I realize some people have various sizes of clothes, depending on what diet you're on or not on. (laughs) I could understand that a little bit better than just being a a hoarder. And uh, she calls me a hoarder. I said, no, I'm a collector. (laughs) I don't know. Somehow there's a difference. We're blessed to be a blessing. All right. Over and over again, the Bible tells us that you can't outgive God. I know that's not a scripture, but it is a truth. You cannot outgive God. Luke 16 9 tells us this I tell you, use your worldly resources on yourself. You read it? Can you see it? Use your worldly resources on yourself. What's it say? <laughs> to benefit others. Make friends. And you're not trying to buy people, but make friends. In this way, your generosity is. Stores up a reward for you in heaven. See, you're not only going to be saved and saved from your sins, but what you do as a child of God to bless other people, to be of benefit to other people, that's what your reward when you get there will be based on. If you're stingy, tight, selfish, sparingly, your rewards are minimal. Luke 12, sell what you have and give to those in need. Or even to just give it away, you know. And look, what does it say? This will store up treasure for you in heaven. There is the principle that you can store up, lay up treasure for yourself in heaven. It's not talking about your salvation. That's through the blood and faith in the Lord Jesus Yeshua. But your reward, your blessing in heaven. You can lay up treasure for yourself in heaven. You can send it before you by benefiting and blessing other people. Luke 6, 38 Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure, for the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. I forgot my illustration. Sylvie has these very small little teaspoons, and uh, I was going to bring one of those and bring a snow shovel. But just if you can picture that in your mind, if you're only measuring with that little bitty teaspoon, I mean, it's, it's hardly even bigger than a thumbnail. If that's how you're measuring, according to the Word, that's, what, that's how it's going to be measured back to you. But if you'll give out the measure the size of a snow shovel, God says it will be, that's how the measurement will come back to you. Now see, we don't give to get. Your, your attitude's got to be right. Your motive's got to be right. You can't be doing it. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, God's going to bless me more, and I'm going to get and I'm going to prosper. God does want you to prosper. But you don't, if you don't have the right attitude, it's not going to work for you. If you're greedy, if you're selfish, if you're doing it just to amass things to yourself, you're going to be like the parable that he talked about. Well, this guy had barns, and everything was filled with barns. He said, well, what am I going to do with all my stuff? I'm going to build another barn so that I can fill up another barn. And the Lord said, this, this night your soul will be required of you. You'll have nothing to give an account for. So with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. How do you, how do you give out? And I just I really don't want to do this, but the pastor keeps talking about it, and the Holy Spirit keeps pushing me. <laughs> Holy Spirit can push you. huh? Just to get them off my back, just to shut the Holy Spirit up. I'm just going to, okay, okay, I'll give it. And you've got a sorry attitude. You've got a grumpy attitude. You're not a generous giver. You're not, a, you're not giving with the right spirit. You're just doing something to just get by, or you're doing something so people see you, and, you, know, and you, you hide what you put in the basket. I mean, it, it really is between you and God. It's not between you and anybody else. But you hide what you put in the basket because you're ashamed because you're not doing what you really, the Holy Spirit really told you to do. But you, you're using that. And this is what you're going to get back. Now, this is not a gift to get. I'm saying that over and over. It's not given to get. But if you give with the right attitude and you're generous, and you just you just dig into that bank account and you say, "Well, I'm I got I got some CDs. I got some savings. I, I've got I've got some I got some mad money laid back." I said, "Yeah, Lord, I got it, but it's 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 there, and it's for this." And the Lord said, but I'm asking you to be like Abraham and to give it up for me. Oh well, God, I just, that's the devil. I've rebuked that in the name of Jesus. That can't be God. I've been saving that for something. I've been saving it for something. I don't know what something is. The Lord said, okay, okay. Lord said, okay. I can't, I, I don't make a give. I'll go find somebody else. I'll go find somebody else. But you will miss your opportunity to sow. Not just to get, but to sow and to see somebody blessed in my kingdom. Man, I used to struggle. I used to be so tight. I used to be so selfish and fight God, fight God, fight God. I mean, he asked me to give $100 one time. I said, $100 all at once? One offering? Some of you don't laugh. Some of you are not even up to that yet. It's not that he's forcing us. It's that he's giving us an opportunity to make an investment in something that is going to be eternal. And that pair of shoes or that whatever that you were saving that whatever money for, for something, is not eternal. It's going to wear out. You're going to grow out of it. If it's closed, you're going to grow out of it. And then you're going to have to go on a diet and all that stuff. You're going to grow out of it. It's going to wear out. You're going to get tired of it. It's going to end up either passed down, hand-me-down, throw out, or recycled at some point. And God's given us an opportunity to invest in something that has eternal value. that's going to last forever. He's given us an opportunity. J.L. Kraft, founder of craft Organization, he was asked one time, why do you give such a large amount of money to the church and other organizations? His response was this. Well, I shovel out, I shovel out my money, and God shovels it back, and God shovels much bigger than my shovel. God shovels much bigger than my shovel. J.L. Kraft is long gone, but his company's still rolling on. Doing well. Doing well. We need to see that when we give, not just money, but our talents, our treasures, that we are blessed uh, to, be, to be able to give more. Second Corinthians 9 teaches us this. For God is the one who gives seed to the farmer. And then You just translate that over. You're not a farmer. God is able to give seed to the farmer and then bread to eat. And in the same way, in the same way, God will give you many opportunities to do good. There it is. That's what the Lord's offering you. He's not trying to get his hand in your wallet or your pocketbook. Neither am I. We're trying to help you to get to where you, you bless God's kingdom and God is going to bless you. You give to God's kingdom your, your, your talent, your gifts, your ability, your time in the kingdom of God and doing ministry work, You know, whatever it is. All, all of us have a ministry. You may not be called here to teach and stand here to preach or lead or or administrate like this in this fashion. Within the church, some of you are. But where you are, that place where you work and get a paycheck, that is your mission field for the kingdom of God. You're being paid by them, but God wants you there to minister to them His love, His life, His truth. God will give you many opportunities to do good, and he will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched so that you can give even more generously. That's why God's blessing us. We are blessed in order to be a blessing. Take care of your family. Set limits. I'm I'm honest with you. I'm being transparent. I'm not trying to brag or sound pious. When, we heard, when Craig Hill came here years ago, he had those that were here and went to the financial thing. He said, those of you that want to come to the altar and become a financial eunuch. I'm going, that sounds like that hurts. <laughs> and what it simply meant is that you would not purchase anything until you checked with your father about it. And the covenant was between a married couple, you would not, you would not buy anything just on your own. You know, some people are impulse spenders buyers, shoppers, and they, they come home with something and say, what's the boat doing in the driveway? Well, I, you know, I, I just, I've been wanting one for a while and just they had a sale and we didn't talk about it. Don't raise your hand, just look straight forward, nobody knows you. But being a financial eunuch means that you make a covenant with God, you make a covenant with your spouse or whoever you need to make that covenant with. We will not buy anything unless we ask the Father and we agree together. That has kept me out of a lot of trouble because I'm more of a spender than Sylvia would be. She's got that anointing from her parents in that generation. She's a saver, and so she wants to save, and that's good. Thank God for that, and I, I, and I appreciate that even though I fight her at times, but she wins. She wins most of the time. God will give you many opportunities that you can give more generously. There were two young—this is a true story. There were two young men working their way through Stanford University— their funds got low for their tuition, their room and board, and they thought about an idea how to raise some money. So Paderewski, the great pianist, was in the nation in America making a tour. So somehow they contacted him, and they asked him, would you uh, do a recital for us, and uh, we'd lo- sell tickets and raise money, and to help us. They explained, it's, it's to help us with our room and board, and we'll pay you. So the Paderewski's manager said, well, he can't come unless a minimum of $2000. So they agreed to it. And they students prepared, these two guys prepared, they got the they got it all ready. They worked hard only to find out that after the concert was over, they'd only raised $1600 of the 2000 that he needed and didn't even touch what their school needs were. So, they went to Paderewski and they uh They gave him the $1,600 and it was accompanied by a promissory note for the $400 explaining that they would somehow raise an earned amount of money at the earliest possible time and send it to him. Paderewski's response to them was, no, that won't do. Then tearing up the promissory note, he returned the money to the two men, and two students, he said, now take out of this $1,600 all of your expenses and keep for each of you 10% of the balance of your work And let me have the rest, and we'll call it even. Well, years rolled by of fortune and destiny, and Paderewski, who was Polish, became the premier of Poland. Of course, during the war, it was very devastating for Poland, and Paderewski, as their their leader, the premier, uh, he was watching his people starving to death, trying to feed them. Thousands were starving in Poland, and there was only one man that would be able to help Paderewski and his people. And suddenly tens of thousands of tons of food began to come into Poland for distribution by by Paderewski. And after these starving people were fed, Paderewski joined a journey to Paris in order to thank then President Herbert Hoover for the relief that he had sent. And President Hoover responded, that's all right, Mr. Paderewski. You don't remember me, but I just wanted to thank you One day you helped me when I was a student and I was in a hole and a hard place in my life. True story. When you give, it will always come back to you. When you're generous and have the right spirit and heart. Your gift may leave your hand, but it will never leave your life. God promises that throughout his word, there's covenants. Proverbs twenty eight twenty seven, he who gives to the poor will lack nothing. You know, when you see people, we call it panhandling or begging, needing money. And sometimes something within some of us, some of us are very compassionate. We just give and we're suckers. I mean, you know, some of us kind of got a hard, hard go. Why don't they get a real job? Uh, police department tells us some of those folks, I don't know which ones and they're hard to tell. Police department says some of those people make hundreds of dollars a day. They're doing better than we are sitting here. But some of them are legitimate. Some of them, the, the need is legitimate. It's just having to talk to them long enough to hear their story to find out who's who. We don't typically take the time to do that. But I've, I know the scripture says this. Those that give to the poor lend to the Lord. So the poor, the orphans, the widows are always upon God's heart. Last thing, selfishness stifles happiness. See, we try to be happy by pulling things to ourselves and amassing more in our life. But Proverbs 14 tells us this, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Selfishness is so unlike God that it will stifle everything good in your life. If you're selfish in marriage... It's not going to be a happy marriage. If you're selfish in finances, then there's no joy in the things that you do have. If you're selfish with your talent, your talent loses its appeal to you and to everybody else. Selfishness within your heart, with your own heart, you're going to end up lonely. Selfishness is the opposite of the nature of God. It separates us from God. One more story. Stories told that for 50 years Eunice Pike worked with the Mazatec Indians in northwestern Mexico. During this time she discovered some kind of interesting quirks about their culture. For instance, the people of the Mazatec Indians they seldom wished someone well. Not only were they hesitant, not only did they fail to wish anyone well, but they were hesitant to teach one another anything. If they were asked, well, if the baker was asked, well, who taught you how to bake this bread? They would answer, well, I just know. Meaning that they'd acquired the knowledge without anybody's help. The lady Eunice Pike says that this odd behavior stemmed from these native people's concept of limited good. So there's only a little bit of good. They believed that there was only so much good and so much knowledge and so much love to go around. And in order, and when you taught others, it meant that you would drain yourself of knowledge and you would be lacking. To love a second child meant that you would have to love the first child less. To wish someone well or have a good day, it meant that you had given away some of your own happiness, which could not be reacquired. You know, there's a lot of Christians that live that way. There's a lot of God's people that aren't generous that feel like, well, I got to. I got to get it. I got to hang on to it. You know, times are tough, times may get tougher, and it's it's driven by fear. But we have a God that is a generous giver, and God loves cheerful givers. Last scripture is Larry comes, 2 Corinthians 9:15. Paul said, "Thank God for his son, which is a gift too wonderful for words." Another translation says, "Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift that he describes as Jesus Yeshua his son would you stand with me together today generosity letting go because the Bible already said be generous God wants us to take care of our family God wants us to take care of our bills God wants us to pay our bills on time. God God wants us, if you don't don't have your act together, you need to get get enrolled in Crown Financial. I'm not just selling that. You need to get enrolled. You need to learn those principles to get yourself out of a mess, out of debt. Get yourself aligned with God's priorities. God, God will deliver you. God will forgive you of the mess. But if you don't learn to do better, you're going to be right back there again. Definition of insanity is you keep doing things the way that you've always done it and expect a different answer. That's crazy. Something's got to change. And you know know what happens? When people go to a marriage seminar, when people go to financial seminars, when people go to other spiritual seminars, when they find out they're the one that's got to change, they bail out. Oh, i got to change. You mean it's not her, it's not him, it's me? They bail out. I'm encouraging you, when God, when the Holy Spirit puts His finger upon you and says, it's you. He's only wanting to move you into the blessing of His kingdom. He's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to give you, give to you, and He's trying to position you in His kingdom so that He can bless you and use you to be a blessing to other people. He's going to take care of you too. He wants you to eat of the good of the land but he wants you to help and bless others to eat of the good of the land too. Father, thank you, God. You are a generous, giving, loving God. You're not the God that some religions portray mean, mad, vindictive, judgmental, cruel, harsh. You're loving, patient, kind generous. Father, may the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, rule, reign in our hearts. That, Father, that we have that character, that nature of you, loving, generous givers, not just money, not just that. God, our, our, our talents, our abilities to get involved, to help other people, to serve, just to serve like Jesus came to serve. He didn't come to be ministered to. He came to serve. The Son of God, who we all will bow before one day, cast our crowns before Him because of who He is, He came to serve us. Lord, help us to become like Christ and serve. Serve one another as fellow believers, but Lord, serve this world that's lost. They curse you. They deny you. They don't believe, but Lord, through our service to them and loving them we pray and trust that they'd come to the knowledge of you Lord by seeing Jesus in us a living written epistle living it out before them Lord we pray and ask you Lord Holy Spirit come change us where we need to be changed forgive us Lord of what we need to be forgiven of we pray it in Jesus name and for your kingdom's sake I want our prayer teams to come ministry teams if you would come and I believe the Holy Spirit's asking you today this message has struck a chord in your heart that you fought selfishness or you fought you know like the little three and four and five year olds start saying before they start saying mama or daddy they learn the word mine 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 let a brother or sister touch their toy mine let a neighbor child at the daycare touch their, what belonged up mine mine we need to learn to let go Give it to God. And more than your stuff, God wants you. And when He has you, He'll have your stuff. Today, if you want, need, realize, that's me, Pastor, and I want to change. I don't want to be this way anymore. I want to change. Without fear, without intimidation of what somebody thinks about you, which it does not matter what they think about you. What matters is what the Lord and you do together. As Pastor Larry leads us, I want you to just respond this morning. And receive prayer and ministry for that area of your life. I give myself away.